This company's never been more profitable. You mean hugely profitable? I like it. Dayporter.com presents The Profitable Cleaner, a podcast on commercial cleaning sales and entrepreneurship. The one podcast that's not afraid to discuss real sales strategies with real cleaning professionals that produce real profits and real results. Here's your host, James Harper. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Profitable Cleaner Podcast. I'm your host, James Harper. Listen, today's episode is one that's very unique that I know you are going to gain a ton of value from. We sat down with Lee Cool, the VP of Sales and Marketing for Smart Church Solutions, and there's a few reasons that I'm so excited for you to hear from Lee. Number one is he's mastered a very specific industry and niche. He sells exclusively to facility directors and facility managers to churches. Although he's not directly in the commercial cleaning space, he has direct experience to selling to your type of prospects in a very lucrative cleaning industry, which is the church industry. You'll learn from Lee on really how to stand out with facility directors and managers in the church industry, how to really gather that engagement, how there's low barrier to entry when selling to churches, and just some value proposition on how you should really positioning be positioning your cleaning company when it comes to the sales process. I just love what Lee has to offer today. He's a smart, young VP that's uh, really mastered uh, this industry and really has a great sales process, and, and we're thrilled to be speaking with him today, and we also do a little bit of work with him as well. So without any further ado, please welcome Lee Cool. Hey, Lee. I really appreciate you joining me here uh, today. I look forward to our conversation. How's it going? Hey, it's good, James. Thrilled to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for simple introductions, Lee, um, I like to say, kind of give me your story. What's the story of Lee? Who are you? Where are you from? And how did you, how did you get to where you're at now? Oh, man. Uh, so the story of Lee, I'm, I'm actually a college dropout. And uh, my father owns a company that sells facility management software, consulting, uh, security assessments, a lot of components to churches. And I just kind of saw the low hanging fruit. I said, you know, I'm going to go try and take my wheel at this, this whole facility management sales gig and all of that. And uh, I, I started off getting paid uh, like a restaurant worker uh, very, very <laughs> poorly just to see if it would work. And it actually ended up doing really well. Uh, I really enjoyed it, loved getting acquainted with the industry and the people we worked with. And it's kind of blossomed over the past four five years into this role uh, of more of a, a kind of a leadership position. So it's been really great. And uh, I love working with uh, all those kind of people. I think it's a really neat industry. Yeah, awesome, man. Uh, kind of going along those lines, um, kind of tell everyone exactly um, about Smart Church Solutions and Cool Solutions and just kind of what exactly you do. Yeah, so Smart Church Solutions is the parent company that we kind of use. And we have two main sectors. We have our software sector and consulting. So on the software end, we provide uh, full-blown church facility management software. It handles everything from events going on in their building. We can also integrate it with HVAC doors, digital signage. So if I have an event approved on the calendar, it's telling my HVAC when to come on, my doors to lock, my lights to come on. It does everything automatically. Uh, and then the other component of the software is for work order and asset management. So getting work orders in the system, how do we sign and prioritize them, getting them to outsource vendors, uh, scheduling preventative maintenance, tracking inventory, assets, all that good stuff. 
And then the other wing of the company is the consulting gig, where we actually come out to the churches and we get a list of all their deferred maintenance with our facility assessment, basically help them figure out how they got there and what they could do moving forward to prevent that and what needs to change. So, Awesome. And I think that's really why I'm so excited to talk to you today. You guys are in a unique spot to where... You have the consulting side of things, which is probably more in-depth, personal, relational, learning about that client, their facility, their problems. And then you have the software side of things where you sell directly to uh, facility pros and maintenance managers. Um, Let's just kind of start there. Uh, You said you've been doing this gig now for four or five years. You kind of came in entry level, built your way up. You're now running the sales and marketing um, there. Talk to me about... um, at a high level, a general level, when you're reaching out to facility managers or maintenance managers um, from a sales standpoint, what have you like noticed the most? Like, what's the biggest challenge kind of breaking through that that initial barrier to get their attention? Man, that, that's a great question. I, I think a big piece of it for us is understanding who we're talking to, right? Um, so our facility managers and facility directors have one of two different personas, is they're extremely innovative, they love technology and they know what they need to implement to do better at managing their job. Then the other side of that is you've had Joe, who's been the facility manager for 30 years that still uses pen and paper, likes to write everything down. If he has a work order, he'll hand a slip of paper to somebody, he has no electronic filing, except maybe for what their vendors host for them, which I've seen being extremely helpful, like HVAC vendors having a list of the units, serial number, model number. I mean, all of those things, they, they just depend on that. They have nothing in-house. And Uh, It's kind of being able to show them, okay, what happens when you get hit by a bus? What Mm. happens at the end of the day when that brain of yours has to retire and everything you've kept in your head is now gone? What do you think you're doing for the longevity of that facility? Uh, And and the other component goes in is most of these facility managers, uh, bosses, they trust them to get the job done. They're, they're not thinking like that. They're not thinking what happens when we need to replace John and what system do we have in place? How can we have full visibility? It's like almost facilities has become this redheaded stepchild of the organization. It's just kind of the, the, the forgotten about piece, but reality, that's going to be typically the second biggest line item in your expenses at the end of the year, right behind staff is your building. You know, so, and it of course depends your industry. Churches, of course, usually have very large commercial facilities, but uh, you really just need to think on that sense. So I, I think that's the persona and we know that. And then it's just tailoring our messaging and what we say to match that, uh, which is a whole whole deeper discussion. Yeah. So, well, let's kind of dive deep there a little bit. Let's, let's take facility director Joe, been there for 23 years. It's, uh, he's a lifer, right, at that facility. Um, you got to get him. Uh, you got to get his attention. Number one, it's hard to teach old dog new tricks. I really yep. do think, you know, people work with who they know. And the biggest thing we hear when we hear from those Joes is we've always done it this way. Uh, we don't, we don't need to change. We've always done it this way. Um, how do you kind of fight that, that barrier there with those kind of, uh, lifer facility directors just to get your foot in the door? Yeah, great, great question. And I, I think I'm always learning and progressing different ways to do this. But I think what I've discovered working now, I mean, you, you need to think about it. 
from our perspective, I, you're a techni uh, technical guy, you're used to your phone, you're used to computers. A lot of us are. If we own or work for a company that is in the technology world, we're used to this. It's understanding they're not. They may have a flip phone. They may not even have a phone. You know, So how can I convince them that this technology is going to make your life better if you don't even use it? Um, I, it's not just me selling them the software. It's me selling them on the idea of technology now, which is kind of double the battle. So a, a big piece that I've done is almost brought it a step higher and say, hey, you know, I, I'll give them the examples. What happens if you get hit by a bus? What if you're tracking that? It's like, well, it's still going to take my day longer. It's going to make things harder on me. And it's like, actually, it won't because if you change your systems, it'll save you time. But what I like to do is I like to loop in more people on it. So sometimes the facility director has young guys working for him. Mm -hmm. So I want to get the young guys to kind of get sold on it, see it and be sold on to say, wow, this is going to make my life easier because I know in reality it will. He just needs to open his eyes and see it. So who can I get around him to help him see that? It's going to be the people below him as well as the people above him because there's the whole idea of analytics. How many times did I work on the rooftop unit last year? What was the cost of those things? How much time did that take me? What if that was reactive? What if that was preventative maintenance? And you're, you're able to kind of gather that data. So uh, long answer to the short question, I think, is also just creating a sphere of influence around him where we can kind of help nudge him, but also have other people assist in opening that eye towards technology. And then at the end of the day, taking a leap. I think you hit it on the head there. You, uh, you do something that we've seen success with, which is called influencer sales. If we can't directly influence the decision maker, sometimes it's best to influence their employee one, right? They're kind of ace. Uh, who can influence the decision maker on your behalf? So if you're engaging uh, facility specialists or other maintenance people within the building that can um, kind of organically sell this to Joe, the lifer, all of a sudden um, you've got, it's all about just getting that attention and selling the first meeting. And then it sounds like you guys really don't sell software, you sell convenience. Would that be correct? Yeah, definitely. I, I think we sell convenience, we sell organization, and we sell Tylenol because it's going to save you a lot of headaches. So <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I, I hear from uh, the best cleaning companies that we work with always say like we don't sell we don't sell cleaning. We essentially just sell a a, a process that you can trust because and, and the janitorial world, it's really hard to get people to suit up and show up continually and consistency is a big a big thing for these facility directors and they want to know that there's a process that the people can be trusted and it's going to be consistent so in many ways um we encourage cleaning companies don't focus on the cleaning focus on the people and the anyone can clean and I don't want to say anyone can have a software because that's not true. But at the end of the day, you're selling more than just the nuts and bolts of what your software does. Talk to me because you have unique, really unique insight um, since your software does, I guess, overlook and, and gather so much data on the facilities. Um, we were talking before this call started recording um, about a report you'd showed my colleague angel and it talked about kind of the cost of inaction if you don't invest in your facility can you kind of walk me through that here a little bit yeah I, i'd be happy to and this is something we really specialize in um deferred maintenance or basically reactive maintenance is a way i, I like to put it too even though reactive maintenance could be much broader than just deferred but 
what happens when you have people complaining because the air is not working? What happens if you have water damage on the ceiling above you and it's unattractive to first time guests is kind of the world uh, we live in, but uh, unattractive to staff, unattractive to other people, the damage you're causing to the building by not doing things up front, you know, deferred maintenance. And obviously the counter to that is you prevent it by preventative maintenance. So it's very important that people have a correct preventative maintenance plan in line, or it's going to cost them more. And, and the statistic we use and that we've come up with in our studies and a lot of other, uh, like IFMA has come up with something very similar, is that every $1 of maintenance deferred will lead to $4 of maintenance down the road. Hmm. So by deferring maintenance, it's actually costing me and our organizations more in the long run. So Part of what we do is we get a stack of, when we do our assessments, we get pictures and we document every inch of deferred maintenance they have from their parking lots to their roofs and everything in between. What has gone wrong here? What's happened? Is it units reaching the end of life soon? Whatever it is. And, and there's going to be a lot of immediate stuff, but there's also things that, hey, this, this unit, based on the 15 to 20 year useful life, depending where you are in the country, uh, this is coming to the end of its life cycle soon. You actually need to have a plan to replace it. What's in your capital reserve budget? Oh, we don't mm -hmm. have that. Oh, interesting. Then uh, how do you expect to pay for this in two years? And it's, it's helping people be aware of the things they need to pay for. Uh, and, and here's the simplest way to put it. We own a home. We have to clean our gutters on a recurring basis, right? Or we have to clean these things. What happens if we don't? Water may seep in, we get water damage now. And that one simple task of just cleaning the gutters has now cost us hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to fix that leak in the water damage and the drywall and everything else that got wet, right? So it's that side of it too. Uh, so think of it on a large commercial facility standpoint now. This isn't just a house where we're cleaning gutters. There are thousands of other things that need to get done, not only from a deferred maintenance point of view, but also a safety point of view and a OSHA point of view that needs mm. to get done. You know, inspecting our emergency lights every month. Do you actually do that every month or do you fall victim of not? Uh, that's a safety concern. And th there's so much that I think it ties to. Um, but reality is, is just spend that little bit of extra time on preventative maintenance so you don't have deferred maintenance down the road to cost you even more. Yeah, and it sounds like it's gonna cost you four times more, right? And that's typically right. the case when we try to short things, short change things up front. Uh, we, t we tell our cleaning companies that when you first enter a facility, um, <clears throat> and like let's say it's a few times a week clean, You're, you don't have an everyday uh, day porter as we call it there. Um, you are that facility director or that property manager's eyes on the ground. So like the best property managers and facility directors we hear from say, you know, one thing we love about our cleaning companies is, yeah, they do good cleaning, but they're also my eyes on the ground because I'm not always at every facility. I'm not at every property. And if there's a broken window, um, they can call me and let me know like, hey, uh, there's a broken window at facility B or right. whatever. And, and that's something we also tell people to do more, especially I think every church is understaffed in America. Uh, based on every study mm. we've done, we found every church is understaffed. And it's like, they haven't been paying for that custodial. They haven't been paying for that maintenance stuff. And that's actually the cause, which has led to more prevent uh, defer deferred maintenance is because they don't have the manpower to take care of those things. So it it's always just creating an idea of what's urgent and what's important kind of thing. Don't just yes. be reactive for what's in front of you all day. Um, 
But man, I, I was going somewhere else with that. Um, it's, it's also the idea that cleaning, actually what you're doing too, is extending the life, again, remaining useful life of those items. So by cleaning my hardwoods, completing mm-hmm. the LVPs, the carpets, it's actually rem- extending the useful life of it as well, which is saving you money also by yeah. investing in cleaning. So you have that side of it too. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's uh, that's kind of the mentality the best cleaning companies take on. I I want to talk about your industry specific, meaning churches. Okay. And let me give you some background and people listening here. Um, maybe some of these cleaning companies uh, that listen work with churches. Maybe some don't. But during COVID was the first time we actually actively did church out outreach. And it was because uh, churches were shut down for the first time in the history of churches for a while. And there was this big... Uh, you know, kind of controversial push. Are they essential? Are they not? And one thing we saw churches do was, hey, to kind of market us or kind of to make our case to be quote unquote essential to keep our doors open, we are going to invest in professional cleaning, disinfection to keep our congregation safe. Uh, We know that there's a ton of volunteers involved in organizations like a church. Um, But it was the first time that we actually saw um, an influx of sales and revenue come from churches to cleaning companies we worked with that typically wouldn't do outreach to them. So right. we a- actively did outreach and saw good success. I'm curious from someone like you who is so entrenched in the church industry, um, how do you like find out their budgets typically? Uh, like, I mean, churches are hit or miss, right? They're either loaded with cash um, and they're a big congregation or they're very boutique and it's very volunteer mission driven. How do you kind of discover the budget once you're in the door? Man, that that is a really good question. And I think a great place to start is how many facility staff do they actually have? Hmm. Uh, so what, let me pull up the numbers here, but uh, I can tell, I just worked with a church, 150,000 square feet one facility director, that's it. No staff, <laughs> nothing. So it is literally just him. And I think our numbers, I'm, I'm, let me pull it up here to give you the exact number, but uh, the nav, the national average amount of maintenance only you should have is 35, uh, one full-time employee for every 35,000 square feet. Hmm. If you're less than that, you're underspending. And then that's not even including janitorial. So you need to factor that in as well. That is just simply just maintenance and not even including the facility director either, right? The, the facility director is there to manage. So I, I think one good indicator is look at how are they staffed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some mega churches that we actually did a project with. I'll, I'll leave the name out. But, you know, when we were doing consulting, we saw that they actually had two guys going to take trash out together, you know, in the middle of the day. And it's like, oh, wow, they're overstaffed. That's not a two man job. So mm-hmm. we see, OK, wow. Um, they just they just hired to hire. They don't really have that need. If I see a volunteer taking trash out or all of the uh, of their own staff employees taking out their own trash, I'm like, okay, that's an indicator they are understaffed. So that, that tells me one of two things. They could be under budget or they don't see the need for facilities. So I think that's one way to look at it. Um, the other way to look at it is how many Sunday services do they have? That's another mm. really good indicator. Yeah. Um, how, how many events do they host at their facility? How important is their building to them? So just going on a church's website and looking at their calendar to see how booked it is or how vacant it is, is also going to be a really good indicator. 
Uh, and then another thing I like to look at is how familiar are they with technology? Does their website look good or does it look like it was built in the 60s and hasn't been touched since then? Because um, yeah. that's not only an indicator of are they familiar with technology, but do they have the budget to change it if they wanted to? Um, yeah. So there, there's some interesting things you can get. And, and I love working with churches specifically because on their website, you can find 99% of what you're looking for. Um, if I need to email somebody, I can just go on the church's website and find the whole staff there and find their direct lines and get their emails and all that stuff. So um, it, it makes the job easier. And sometimes just asking helps. Um, yeah. Just say, hey, I know because ch church facility budgeting is the facility department of a church is typically the most forgotten about when budget time comes around because especially deferred maintenance, preventative maintenance, it's not, it's not fun to raise a capital campaign because the air isn't working. It's fun to raise a capital campaign to build that new youth center or that new sanctuary or that new campus. And that's where the funds tend to go. Um, so long answer well, to the short question, but no, I love that. Um, I mean, if you can gauge budget by, how they're staffed, the events that they throw during the week, their Sunday services, that is a good indicator. Um, I would argue that facilities are kind of a staple to any church and any organization. Um, for anyone listening out there, and Lee, you might even find some value in this, and maybe this is something we should do with Smart Church Solutions, is uh, um, how, we, <laughs> how we engage these prospects at the beginning of COVID. I love um, how we were able to kind of book some qualified sales meetings. We actually sent letters to um, a list of like a hundred different pastors and or reverends, whatever you want to call them. And the reason we did that is I don't always like sending handwritten letters um, to a prospect because in, the, in a B2B sense, it doesn't always hit their desk. If I'm sending a handwritten letter to a maintenance director, the odds of it hitting its his or her desk is very low. But in a church, if you actually send it to the pastor or the reverend, um, the odds are a lot higher that it actually gets there. Because one, it's going to go right to them, or maybe it hits the assistant or the gatekeeper, the volunteer, and then gets to them. By us sending a letter out to 40 uh, pastors, we actually got three responses, which might not sound like that much, but um, one ended up being a, you know, a $40,000 annual deal for one of our clients. So out of those three, one converted, that's a small pool of people to hit up to. So we hit up 40 people and essentially pulled a 40,000 annual out of it, which is uh, interesting to note. And so we used we used handwritten letters uh, for anyone listening or Lee. Maybe that's something we can talk about um, later on. But and it worked. It was really kind of interesting how that worked. And it's actually the only industry that's ever worked in for us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, something to consider. Um, Lee, talk to me um, here. I guess I have two last questions for you while we wrap up here. And I really appreciate your time. Talk to me about anyone listening. Um, that might be new to reaching out to the facilities world, um, the maintenance manager world. Um, what are just some surefire ways you know that works? And I know it's always evolving for you um, that you've reached out to them. Do you hit them through email? Do you hit them through a cold call to start? Do you walk in? What's that process look like for you to someone who's kind of new to the sales game in the facilities world? Great question. And I, I, I truthfully think 
because we're nationwide, I don't have a specific territory. Uh, I've been most effective with emails and using the good old cell phone um, and just calling people up, trying to get cell phone information, shooting text when I can, that kind of thing. But a huge component of what we did that was successful and uh, anybody in listening, this is less sales and more marketing, but I think it's all tied together is provide value. Like, for instance, in COVID, every church is asking, should I invest in an electromagnetic sprayer for disinfecting yep. their pews and everything? And reality is, what if I had somebody say, no, 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 this is what you need. This one's much nicer. It's going to protect this. It's going to stop every inch of virus that comes your way, but it costs this. Or you could hire me. I already have one. Right. And you kind of take that approach where mm -hmm. I'm going to educate you on this, but Hey, by the way, I have this, I can help you with. So like, uh, one of the things we did that was wildly successful is we created a church COVID-19 checklist and utilization guide. So for churches reopening and what you can do in the downtime of COVID, uh, it provided, a t first of all, you're providing a ton of value and you're actually helping people, which is amazing, but not just that, you're also getting the sales. So I also think sales is hand in hand with strictly providing value. Totally. And if the client could receive that prior to paying a dollar, they're going to trust you even more. Um, so that was something huge that worked for us is, you know, how can I show you that I'm adding value? Let it be, uh, um, and th this is a harder one, but showing you that you're not going to have as much deferred maintenance, showing you, you don't need to invest in this equipment, showing you that we're going to be dependable and show up every time rather than the volunteers that sometimes show up when they can. And, you know, you kind of go down that rabbit hole and it's always about your client, but I think also walking in and handing them something, the the face and the smile is also huge if you're doing it in a local uh, perimeter. Yeah, absolutely. Especially I think uh, in the church world, I think, you know, relationships still hold really strong and um, anytime you can get FaceTime with a potential prospect to do it. Um, well said and so valuable, Lee. Um, I think you have such a, uh, great insight into this world, especially because you've picked one niche and you've mastered it. And then through that niche, you've also learned about the facilities realm, right? Um, right. Uh, so before we get into where people can find you, we always do this game at the end of every show. We have two boxes here, a white box, black box, uh, totally random questions, pick your box and, uh, any questions on limb are, I guess, yeah, not off limits. Um, so, yeah, what <laughs> box would you like to choose from, the white box or the black box? Got to go with the black box. Okay. So, brag to me about one thing you've done in the past 30 days. <laughs> uh, I went under contract on a triplex. That was exciting. Yeah, that's very exciting. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's thanks, very man. awesome. Um, where can people find you, Lee? Uh, you can find me at, well, you can email me personally at Lee, L-E-E, -E, at smartchurchsolutions.com or go to our website, smartchurchsolutions.com. Uh, a lot of the inquiries come come to me kind of first level anyway, so I'd love to hear from you. Uh, also on LinkedIn, Lee Cool, please search me there. I'd love to connect with you. And uh, if I can help at all in any way as people are going through this, I'd be more than happy to. Awesome. Lee, thank you so much. We'll link everything up in the show notes. And until next time, I uh, appreciate it, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, James.